Today's read, Midnight, a gangster love story by Sister Soldier. Chapter 15, Good Intentions. Altogether, I was bringing three gifts. Uma's gift to Akimi's uncle was a sterling silver cigarette case filled with her signature BDs. These were hand-rolled foreign cigarettes filled with a special tobacco, which Uma spiced up with her private herb recipe and wrapped in a scented paper. The taste and smell of the smoke usually fascinated all men who had the privilege to acquire them. My father was not really a smoker, but he did smoke socially. He had a smoking room on our estate reserved for men. Many of his business, civil and Islamic brothers, gathered in this room to indulge. The second gift was inside a maroon velvet box with a gold clasp. It was another homemade specialty, a crystal bottle filled with Uma's perfume elixir. The bottle was slim and short, containing only an ounce of the potion, which was so strong a woman need only use half a drop. It was hypnotic, this stuff. I remember even in my childhood finding myself following the trail of this scent when it was worn by one or two of my Uma's friends. Both gifts were normally reserved for our customers who placed an order of $300 or more. Once a client received their special order of handmade cloths and garments, along with one of these elegant gifts, they became a customer of ours forever. The third gift I picked out and purchased for Akimi. It was less powerful than Uma's well-thought-out magic. I brought Akimi a Walkman and a Japanese language tape that she could listen to and lesson by lesson slowly learn how to speak English from a Japanese professor. I thought that right now this was what Akimi needed most. Of course, there was some selfishness in it too. At Akimi's family business, they had a storefront where items were for sale right outside the store door underneath a small extended canopy. One of their workers always stood out there. I had first seen Akimi standing there. They served most customers outside. The customers asked for this or that, then paid and bounced with their purchases. Once you got past the worker outside and the merchandise and entered through the glass store door, the whole vibe switched up to a family thing. When I passed by their worker who was leaving and entered their store at 7 that evening, I saw Akimi's uncle's body jerk the way every shop owner trembles when a young, strong black man enters the door around closing time. Instantly, I noticed a pile of shoes off to the left of the entrance where I stood, so I removed my shoes also. The aunt and uncle were in there, standing, not sitting. They were both dressed plainly and conservatively. He wore gray slacks, a white dress shirt, and a blue vest. She wore a pantsuit a whole lot of polyester. They were both wearing thick prescription reading type glasses. 
the little girl with the spicy attitude who Akimi had translating for her the other day, jumped off a low stool where she was sitting and scooted into a back room. Seconds later, Akimi emerged. She addressed her aunt and uncle in Japanese, of course, very respectfully and without a smile on her face. I didn't have a clue what she was saying to them, except for one word she used, tomatochi, which I knew means friend. When Akini stopped speaking, her aunt dragged out a piece of a smile, then quickly covered it up with the palm of her hand. Her uncle stood, stone-faced. The only thing moving was his eyeballs. I greeted them both in Japanese. Their reaction to my effort to speak their language was like what happens when a kid tries but fails to tie a knot at the end of a balloon. I could almost hear a small whistle of breath escaping slowly from both of them. They released some but not all of their tension, which was thick like pound cake. In Japanese, they returned my greeting without any emotion. Even Akimi stood somewhat blank-faced, watching. I lifted up the bag with the gifts. I handed a gift to the uncle, then to her aunt and next to Akimi. The little girl pouted, I guess she felt left out. However, I did not know she was part of their family and still didn't know where and how she fit in. My parents speak some English. Why don't you say something to them? The little girl said in her spicy American tone, as if she was snitching on her mom and dad. I'm a friend of Akimi's. I work four stores down at the fish market. I wanted to have this chance to meet you so that you would know who I am. These gifts are from my family to your family. Thank you for the gifts, the aunt said dryly in English. How do you know Akimi? The uncle asked in English with a heavy accent. We met here in Chinatown, I answered. Are you a college student? He asked. No, I'm high school age, I answered, avoiding any pitfalls. What do you want? The uncle asked boldly in an even tone. friends, so I thought it would be best if I knew you and you knew me. In my country, we do not avoid our friends' parents, I added. What country is your country? He asked with a tone of disbelief, as though he had assumed that I was one of the countless men with no homeland, culture, or language. When I answered him, I watched his face, muscles, intensity, and suspicion lessen another few degrees. The relaxing of his face was a good sign that Akimi also picked up on. She smiled naturally, then swiftly she made her smile disappear. She began speaking to them softly once more in Japanese. The tight encounter ended with one head shake from the uncle. After looking him in his eyes, I switched to Akimi. She didn't have to tell me that she couldn't come out with me tonight like I wanted and she requested. 
it was written on her face. Matter of fact, it was written on all of their faces. I broke this strange staring contest and said, Oyo sumenasai, which means good night. Uma laughed when I reenacted their cold stares and the stiff situation at the store for her at home. You see, this is what I have been pointing out to you, she said, her eyes bright and beautiful and smiles so genuine. If you go outside, you can find a thousand stones on the ground. They are lying around everywhere. You can just pick any one of them up anytime and put it right into your pocket or throw it back onto the ground or do whatever you like with it. It has no value, so no one cares. But when a stone is a precious jewel, it is surrounded and protected. You'll have to work very hard to earn it and even harder to keep it for yourself. After she and Naja had their fun with my situation, Uma assured me, don't worry, the perfume I have given to the aunt is very influential. If she applies it once, slowly it will grow on her. Soon, she will love it. When she doesn't wear it, her own husband will request that she put some on. Uma smiled, knowingly. I listened, fascinated. The sterling silver cigarette case I gave to the uncle contained 12 Sudanese beadies. Akimi's uncle will smoke the first one out of curiosity. Uma stood, joking and posing as though she was smoking the beady and was enraptured in its taste and scent. Soon enough, his case will become empty. She frowned as though she were the uncle out of beadies. He will have to come to you for more. There is no place else for him to go to get the exact same taste, fragrance, and feeling. He will have to return to you. She stood with her arms now extended and smiling. Listening to Uma, the sound of her voice and the depth of her thoughts and her dramatic theatrics, I was amazed by how every day she revealed more and more sides of herself. Her knowledge was gentle and her light humor seemed endless. Yet when I stared into her face, she still seemed very young and naive. Without ever meeting Akimi or Akimi's family, she had chosen gifts that she knew would have an impact and how they would impact. She had given gifts that she knew would linger and rebound. My father was a scientist with a pile of university degrees. My Uma was a scientist of human nature without having earned anyone's documents of approval. In my room, I hit the books for a couple of hours, unusual for me on a Saturday night. Later that night, when the sewing machine stopped and I could hear nothing but silence and the breathing of my sister and mother, I stepped out, locked our apartment door, and headed to the basketball court and hooped.